0: more than two the situation, two And all the road I'm gonna try. the next mile the sight to the blind man. down to the that child. We will survive in this country Swimming through the water's up and not like a rebel fish. is specialist, critical and survivalist. Living heaven, fighting from these live. Birds drive up.
1: to time for an awakening on black talk radio network new media for the new millennia this is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective we find this program necessary because those air force six states my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge but we as a people will turn this around proverbs 4 7 states wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, though thy getting get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach just to join the conversation this evening is two one five four nine zero nine eight three two. That's two one five four nine zero ninety eight thirty two. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to time for dot com, which is the home page and catch the live stream. At that location, you can go to www.blacktalkradio.network.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradio.network.com forward slash time for an awakening, and catch the live stream there. Also, you can go to bb2me.com. That's a b i b i t u m i dot com forward slash time for an awakening, and the live stream ought to be playing there. Or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. In that TuneIn search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon, and you can stream the program live, even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's Time for an Awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an Awakening. Also, has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening radio program There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening Radio Program. with The fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening Media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening Media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace in our partnership with the BB2Me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's dot com will take you straight to Time for Media. It's seven oh eight in the city of Philadelphia on this uh, wintry Sunday evening, and we're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Uh, tonight, no guests scheduled, so we're in open forum. Anything that's on your mind, you can give us a call. We'll talk about it, and you can do that by reaching the program and dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832 with your question, comment, or just uh, having something to say. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors.
2: Mr.
3: Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and and our enemies.
4: Everybody is here.
6: All Insurance Incorporated, an African American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over twenty years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over fifteen major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services if when you call in for a free quote. Call this number two.
1: with your host, Brother Elliot, Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 7.13 here in this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we start with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African-American Museum. Here in Philadelphia, 7th and 9th Street, Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard.
2: Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing all right. Hey, look, Elliot, yesterday, I mean, I know, you know, we, we had some people who were in the, the far north, uh, what's that, the far northwest when they talk about their temperature. But yesterday was a monster for brother man out there. <clears throat> now, um, but so I'm I'm doing a whole lot better today. Yeah, well. It,
1: it luckily we only got two days of that. And then it's supposed the temperature's supposed to come back up to a little bit normal. Uh, yeah, normal yeah, it was, wind chill, it was, so to speak. It was.
2: <laughs> it was something. But um, you know, other than that, Elliot, you know, it's um you know, we are we're in the um um Black History Month officially, you know. Um and I hope um those in the time for awakening audiences uh, you know, thinking about um what we are what we're what what the mission that um, Dr. Woodson had for us in in creating you know the um, what the ideal the program and the um, the the effort as being a part of of utilizing history as a part of this intellectual warfare. So I'm I'm glad that we're um, we're engaging that. And you know what, Elliot, it's interesting. You know, this year the theme is Black Resistance. You know. And, and it got me thinking about some things. Um, as it as as another, you know, um, Carter Woodson was dealing with history as a weapon in this year intellectual warfare. But w- as a part of Black resistance, we had um, political and cultural resistance that um, has got me thinking. You know, this at this moment, and it was because of reading a, a, a paper um, that um, W.E.B. Du Bois did in 1935. Um, about a nation within a nation that made me think about uh, something. Uh, I wonder if I could be able to, you know, as as we go on, kind of share this historical um, journey I guess I'm taking myself through in dealing with this ideal of black resistance um, and the ideal of a nation within a nation. Certainly, because
1: uh, we're in open forum, and I was going to raise a couple of things, but it's it's definitely related to what you're saying. So, yeah, I started out. Uh...
2: Yeah. You know, uh, um, as I was thinking about this, you know, and, and uh, us being in Philadelphia, and Philadelphia being, you know, not only the birthplace of the nation state, um, when we talk about black folks um, wanting to recognize that they have to either self govern or have a national con- consciousness um, as a means of our warfare strategy it took me back to um mother bethel and the um supplement you know in 1807 um the uh, richard allen had to had to really um protect the, work, the the church organization um i'll just read this here section you know, for in 1807 the trustees of bethel church in philadelphia technically known as the association of the african methodist episcopal church submitted proposed Amendments to their article of incorporation to the Attorney General, Supreme Court, and Governor of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And again, I want us to, you know, the time for waking awareness to focus. I'm looking at that a nation within a nation going on saying the the Seventh Amendment were, were sharply worded, clearly designed to overturn the existing governance of Bethel. The new rules were allowed the black trustees to mortgage the church, expel or suspend current members, appoint preachers, exalt, exalt and refuse to accept any preacher nominated by the white Methodist ministers of the nearby St. George Church if a majority of the Bethel trustees did not approve the appointment. As Bethel Church founder Richard Allen explained to Methodist bis- bishop, Francis Ashbury, he and his fellow trustees drafted the amendment not as a means of serving Bethel, severe serving Bethel connection to the Methodists, but only to and this is what got me, Elliot, to regulate our affairs, temporal and spiritual, the same as we were white folks. Now, do not white folks uh regulate themselves as if they're a national group. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
6: Mm-hmm.
2: And this is 1807. So when we place, um, if we stick to the theme of black resistance and intellectual warfare, because you, you hear it said that they put this in their, in their bylaws and they wanted to, to be um, sanctioned by the state so that they were engaged in political warfare. For the for the pros for the pr- prospect of development of their institution, and then it made me you know think about something you know carrying this. See how does this timeline of a nation within a nation, as a part of formulating a national consciousness, and as a part of being about black resistance, um, continue? And it made me go to you know in 1893, Elliot um, United States created this world. Um, they call it the uh the Columbia Exposition that was held in Chicago. Now this is eighteen ninety three, right? Right after, you know, Reconstruction. Black folks have have um won their, you know, with the general strike, with um black um soldiers, um in the you know, fighting for freedom and, and the liberation of, of all black people in America, um that, you know, which um uh, pushed forward the 13th, 14th, and the 15th Amendment. They now just wanted to see themselves. They wanted to place themselves, you know, in the world stage as a people who were coming up. And the exposition um, organizers, you know, primarily white, said that they weren't going to have a colored pavilion. A black America, a, a pavilion specifically to so that Black Americans could be able to sh- exhibit what they have been able to achieve in spite of the influence of social Darwinism, right? Mm-hmm. Political repression, and 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 um, Sister Ida B. Wells and her husband Fernandez, when that they 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 created a um a a, a, a reason the the article that they pushed was a reason. Um, why the colored American is not in the World uh, Colombian Exposition? Because they they were, you know, her, her husband, some other activists, and Frederick Douglass. They were like, we should be there. It took the Haitian president uh, F- F- Florio Hépaulite, Hep- Hep- who was the president of Haiti between 1889 and 1896, to allow Black Americans to be a You know, since they were the only black nation in this exposition. You know, but what struck me was this this paper, um, this um, reason that um, Ida B. Wells and her husband um, um, presented in, in, in the argument of why they, you know, why they were not allowed. And I just want to take out two paragraphs in order to move forward. This point of because that would be they are seeing themselves that we should have an exhibit to exhibit ourselves on the world stage of what we're accomplished. Like we're a national group within America and America said, no, you're not. And no, you won't. Right. So they write, write this. And in, and in, these two paragraphs, the, um, the, this pamphlet, uh, again, the reason why the colored American is not in the world Columbian exposition, they say, the prominent colored men suggest the establishment of a department of colored exhibits in the exposition. It was argued by them that nothing would be so well evident, the progress of colored people as an exhibit made entirely of the produce of skills and industry of the race since emancipation. The national dis- directors decided that no separate exhibition of colored people would be permitted. You hear that, Elliot? They, I mean, you know, they, they're making a case, right, that we should be able to. It seemed to me that we should, even if we are, uh, see ourselves as Americans, we should see ourselves, we should recognize and be able to place ourselves on the world stage as a people who can be able to celebrate, based off of our particular experience in America, you know, our national con- consciousness. And they said no. And this other paragraph, which, I'll you know, for this part, I'll stop where, but it says the the 400th anniversary of Discovery of America is acknowledged to be our greatest national enterprise of the country. The Negro wanted to show by his years of freedom that his industry did not need the incentive of a master whip and that his intelligence was capable of successful self-direction. Didn't need a whip capable of self-direction, sounds like Richard Allen. And it had been said that he was impro- improving and devoid of ambition and that he would gradually last into barbarism. That was, that's what, what Booker T, I mean, that's what um, um, Carter Woodson and him with the history was arguing against using history as a part of the intellectual warfare. And what they were saying, we're showing our in industry, our industriousness as a people to overcome this, this thought that white America had, that America had, that Europeans had about black people, about African people, even in America, repeating that thought. It had been said that he was improvident and devoid of ambition and that he would gradually last into barbarism. He wanted to show that in a quarter of a century, he had accumulated property to the value of two hundred million dollars. That his ambition had led him to into every field of industry and that that capable men of his race had served his nation well in the legislators as well as, as as national representatives aboard abroad. National consciousness, I don't see where this – I mean, I hear it today, Elliot, that, like, just because we think of ourselves as a national unit, like, that's some kind of problem. That there is some challenge between being within this American process and and looking at ourselves as a nation within a nation is a problem. Well, Richard, before you continue, that's always been a problem for
1: Europeans because that's the thing that they want to break out of our people – when we were forced here yes, as looking at ourselves as a separate people, even up to the point that you, Richard, you started back at, uh, Allen, seven. and mm-hmm. you came all the way up to almost the turn of the 20th century. Right. Up until that point, our people still saw themselves as Africans living in America. Right. Not, the, not the, uh, the vice versa or just Americans. Right. They didn't see themselves as that. Now it changed later on, and w- w- we can see where the change came in. But up until the point you're reading, they still seen themselves as a separate entity. That even though our people were oppressed here, they forged uh, some type of pride among themselves where they wanted to be recognized as a separate entity. Right. Okay.
2: That's so powerful, and and, and, it's, and I'm glad you you know you capsulized that because then we come to the boys. Um, um, which was written in the Voices of Freedom, um, you know, um, and, and and he did this in 1935. And I just want to pull out to the point that you're making with this, this split starts to, to occur, but he's still, this is 1935, he's still making, and, and I'll go on with this, this, to, the need for and the exhibition of to look at ourselves from a perspective of a national consciousness or a nation within a nation. And he says for a nation with its start in culture and efficiency to sit down and await the salvation of a white guy is idiotic with the use of their political power, their power as consumers and their, and their brain power added to the chance of personal appeal, which proximity and neighborhood always gives to human beings Negroes can develop in the United States uh, economic nation within a nation able to work through intercooperation to found its own institutions to educate its genius. And and at the same time, without my violence or extremes of race, hatred to keep in helpful touch and cooperate with the the mass of the nation. This has happened more often than most people realize in the case of groups not so obviously separated from the mass of people as our American Negroes. It must happen in our case or there is no hope for the Negro in America. In this other paragraph, he says, any, and this is where you see the split, any movement, Towards such a program is today hindered by the absurd national philosophy of scatter, suppress, wait, escape. There are even many of our educated young leaders who think that because the Negro problem is not in evidence where there are few or no Negroes, this indicates a way out. They think that the problem of race can be settled by ignoring it and suppressing all reference to it they think that we have only to wait in silence for the white people to settle the problem for us and finally finally and predominantly they they think that the problem of 12 million negro people mostly poor ignorant workers is going to be settled by having their more educated and wealthy classes gradually and continually escape from their race into the mass of the American people, (laughs) leaving the rest to sink, suffer, and die. This is 1935. Now, we go from 1807, where uh, Richard Allen and them said, we want to regulate our own affairs, temporal and spiritual, the same as white folks. Right. White people. And then we get to 1935. And obviously, the boys is looking at what's happening. He ain't no unskilled observer of social of social our social um, reality. And he sees that there's a part of us who thinking that we shouldn't operate and create or that we can't operate and create like a nation within a nation, yes. a economic infrastructure. Yep. Ain't that something? <laughs> but it goes on. And I wanted to end this thought of, you know, of, in the context of black resistance and um, Dr. Woodson's intellectual warfare, because, you know, we know that when we talk about um history, And what Dr. Woodson was dealing with, why Negro History Week comes into Black History Month, right, is a part of, and I don't think people really look at it, it's a part of the intellectual warfare and relationship to how our history should be formulated, be narrated, and interpreted by us as Americans within the American Project. And we do see that there is pushback. Right. present in the present, whether you call it critical race theory or you call it the AP course in Florida. That's a pushback. The of the intellectual warfare that Dr. Woodson and at that point, it was more intense. You heard during that, 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 um, the the exposition that there's the white social Darwinism that is Negroes could not be able to self-govern. Yeah. And they were pushing back, and that's why they wanted to be. And their only saving grace was the Haitian president saying, "Well, you come and we're a nation. We fought. We 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 demonstrated uh, as African people our ability to be create a nation, a nation state. Y'all come to our pavilion and do what and do your thing. And I want to end with you know, and I just came you know um, aware of it. And you and you play a clip from. Dr. King's um, 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 part, but when I noticed in the "Where Do We Go From Here?" Um, chaos, a community in chapter two, Dr. King is making uh, argument, um, you know, a, a, around um, the case uh, a, about you know nonviolence because of the time, right? These, these are the, the '60s. What was going on in the '60s? And he's making a case about against black separatism in the Black Power movement. The ideal, right? The the intellectual framing that we should be operate, if not as a social body politics and cultural matrix, at least as as doc, as Dr. Uh, uh, w. E. B. Du Bois said, at least creating an economic infrastructure. And then Du Bois is saying, but There's some black folks who say, no, we can't do that. And I just wanna pull out, and this is an excerpt from Mm -hmm. that chapter, chapter, and I'll I'll end here, where in that case against black separatism in the black power movement, where he says, black power is an implicit and often explicit belief in black separatism. Notice that I do not call them black racism, call it black racism. It is inaccurate to refer to black power as racism in reverse, as some have recently done. Racism is a doctrine of congenial inferiority and worthlessness of a people. He says behind black power, legitimate and necessary concern for group unity and black identity lies the belief that that there can be no separate road. There can be. No separate Black road to power and fulfillment. Few ideas are more unrealistic. There is not salvation for, for the Negro through isolation. Let me read that again. Let me make sure I got that right. Behind Black power, legitimate and necessary concern for group unity and Black identity lies the belief that there can be no separate black road to power and fulfillment. We all have to be in this together. Few ideals are more unrealistic. Sounds like King saying, no, that can't be. Mm-hmm. There is not salvation for a Negro through isolation. No, we can't be isolated altogether. And he goes on or pulled out and says... Black power alone is no more insurance against social injustice than white power. Negro politicians can be optimistic as, they, as their white counterparts if there is not an informed and determined cons, consist, consist, constituency demanding social reform. What is most needed is a coalition of Negroes and liberal whites that will work to make both major parties truly responsive to the needs of the poor. Black power does not envision or desire such a program. Sounds to me that this framing, when we look at what Du Bois was saying in 1935, you see the framing develop in the 1960s, what, 30, 40 years later, to where... You know, we move from like it's absolutely impossible to think of a nation within a nation. And I'll end with this that goes to Du Bois' point about an economic nation within a nation that King says, however much we pull our resources and buy black. This cannot create the multiplicity of new jobs and provide the number of low-cost housing that will lift the Negro out of the economic desperation caused by centuries of deprivation. I want to stop there. Because Du Bois thought that if we have a national consciousness and create an economic infrastructure, that we could be able to go down the road with this national consciousness of being able to produce enough resources and jobs. And in the exposition in 1893, they said that they were demonstrating how by pulling their intellectual genius and their resources together, what they were able to accomplish in a short amount of time. How is it, Elliot, if we're dealing with black resistance, if we're dealing with this moment, you know, in black history, that we get to see or get to enunciate that we cannot do this without anybody else's help? I ain't saying that we don't need allies. I'm just saying that it just seems far fetched that we shouldn't have as a part of black resistance. A national consciousness that we think of and operate out of even in America as a nation within a nation Richard,
1: two things uh the thing about needing someone's help let me let me i'll I'll deal with that second first thing, when you read what King had stated about the legitimacy of black power but he didn't agree that the philosophy of it would work right now you can see through King's speeches, even that last book he wrote that he was a work in progress and his thoughts on things were changing maybe monthly. Would you agree? Yes. Yes. Now keep in mind, that Du Bois was unique in the respect that he lived almost to be a hundred and his opinions and thoughts changed almost drastically when he started to get the realization of what he was dealing with. Mm. When you read that speech that he wrote in 1935, keep in mind 30 years earlier, he was starting an organization with whites mm-hmm. um, almost 30 years. What was that? Uh, NAACP was founded in 1909. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, knock off a couple years, 26 years earlier. But if you round it off, that's th- 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 just say 30 years. Right. He was starting an organization with whites that he thought uh, was, I guess, allies, maybe had the same vision he had. Because he started an organization. He was in a black organization before that. That organization split up because they didn't want white people involved. You remember? Mm Mm-hmm. So, but evidently, he quit that organization years later and admitted in The Dusk of Dawn and in other books that uh, that he was mistaken about a lot of people involved, including the white allies, right or wrong. There you go. Yes. So, he was a work in progress. And he lived long enough to change his mind and his opinions based off his experience of him fighting all the time. See, he wasn't just an armchair. uh, He was fighting the whole time and seeing where he was almost on the treadmill, moving, feet moving, but not going anywhere, dealing with certain people. Dr. King didn't live long enough, even though his mindset was changing and we seen it. He didn't live long mm-hmm. enough. He was fairly young. He was 39, Richard, when he was murdered. Right. He wasn't even middle age. He was still a young man. And especially a, a young man, dude, when you talk about men like the boys and them, he was a very young man.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we don't know where his mindset would have ended up. We've seen where it was headed, put it that way. We've seen mm-hmm. definitely where it was headed. But I think people capitalized on that vision that he spoke about five or six years earlier because that's all they keep harping on even to this day. Mm-hmm. We got to do it together. We got to do it together. Now, the thing about the allies you mentioned, Richard, I do agree that in the situation that we're in, we can do things independently but we do need help. Right. And the help can, should, and will eventually, because I don't see evil winning out. That's not the law of your universe. If you want to put the almighty in it, however you want to spin it. That's not the law of this universe where evil wins. So we do need help and the help it's going to come from our brothers and sisters on the mother continent that we came from. That's why these Europeans have a, a a fixation with 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 keeping division between Africans on the continent and Africans in the diaspora. I'll put it the diaspora because the United States is just one of the places where we was where we was taken. He has a a a, a, a concerted effort in keeping that division going. And keep and if you have any uh, uh, interaction, he wants to determine the interaction that we have with other people.
2: Do you agree? That's from the beginning, that's what that's what Richard Allen was saying.
1: Well, see, that, and see, that's where our people. Some of our people missed the boat because then they feed into this foolishness. Oh, I don't. He don't like me. He, he, I, I don't like that guy. He's from the islands. This guy from the continent. He don't like blacks. They that all that foolishness came from Europeans. Their mindset was interjected into our minds. Our people didn't come in necessarily hating one another. We needed one another. That's all we had,
2: and believe me, that's all we have now. Mm. And you you see that in that exposition. Who was the one that said, "Well, come on over here and use our pavilion"? Okay. Wasn't that Haiti? And when you talk about allies, you know, um, and saying what is, but you know, Elliot, what, what the other thing that I have to say. Let me just throw this in. me
1: ahead. Risa, because a lot of our people say that we don't have the money. So they depend on Europeans to give them money. Right. But where's the Europeans getting a lot of their foundation from? If they didn't right. get it from the sweat of our ancestors building this country, where are they getting it from now? Where are they getting it from? Look where they're getting it from. I'm talking about the Europeans, period, whether you're talking about the Americans or Europeans on that continent. They're getting it from Africa. They're getting mm. it from your mother continent. We don't need them for any funding. Let's start uh, uh, rebuilding our relationship with our own people. That's family. Europeans are not our family. I don't give a damn if we've been living here for for 200 years. What does that mean? in the scheme of time. 200 years ago, Richard, you still had native Americans that, had, that was a huge population in this land, right or wrong. There you go. Where are they there are go. now? I can go from Maine. I can drive from Maine to California and not see a native American. This man has basically genocide. See this evil. This evil is not going to stand people. You can believe whatever you want. Just because it's here now, this evil is not going to stand. It's been too much blood spilled for no apparent reason but greed. That's evil any way you slice it. Go ahead. I, 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 was, no, 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 no.
2: I, I was just, you know, the thing that, I you know, it, when you were, were saying that the, the thing that came to my mind, be, and and where um the boys in that uh, the nation within a nation in thirty five was this group that you know think as he said, if you think, <laughs> how you put it, if you you think that you can uh um what's that. Uh, scatter, suppress, wait, and escape from this that that's going to benefit and, and and the framework that that's going to benefit all of us. It will be as he said, it'll be leaving the rest to sink, suffer, and die. That's the that's that's the moral question because that's what King was asking us to do. Yeah, we have to look at the economic and the political, but we also have to look at the moral question. You know, uh, the moral question, well, how many of us have to sink, suffer, and die because you want to separate and blend with some who were saying, well, I'll let you be, you okay, but the rest of them, they got to (laughs) go. And and in my mind, and I'll stop, Elliot, because I I get all wound up, you know, what is that, the other year, for the year return? I can't, I can't, I, I, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry for the time for waiting. I can't forgive them Negroes with um, Mama Nancy Pelosi going over to Ghana and the year, re- I mean, in that year return, and they're going to go, I mean, that you need a white politician to acknowledge your historical moment of suffering, departure, to come with a kente cloth around her, her neck? I mean, like, and, and, and that considered to be your entree into supporting uh, Africa? Is that the group that we need? Is that the national policy that black America has? in its own interests, As you say, Elliot, who is the corporations in Africa getting that cobalt? Who is the financial, who is the financial interest that is supplying um, those white financial interests, whether Madam Arblight and her group or, or Bill Gates and his group who is financing those. I mean, yeah, those traitorous, you know, um, African leaders, are and who is the one sitting in on the Congress in the uh, what is that the chair? Was is is that is that Meeks? Who is that sitting Me- in the Meeks. chair of uh, foreign relations? Foreign relations. I mean, is this in the interest of Black America? Will this pull stop us from sink suffering and dying? Mm,
1: no. In fact, it's going to lead to more misery. No matter what they say, they've been saying a lot of things. (laughs) In fact, uh, Richard, um, Biden went up there to that National Action Network convention two weeks ago and uttered some foolishness. You know, some of those audiences, I I don't know whether they're full of assimilationists, whether they pay some of these people to sit in those audiences and clap when they hear this foolishness. Richard, I, I don't some some of our people I don't understand. The good thing is they're in the minority. But if you if you rely on the television, you would think that those people are in the majority, and they're
2: not. You say the national network. Um, Biden Biden went in front of and and, and did his uh, his thing again. Yeah, well, you, you know, know what? what, I'm a pl- you ain't
1: black. I'm a place of, well, he said that he I got your back. You know, he <laughs> said that at going out the door, you know, at the end of the speech, I got your back. Uh yeah, okay. Um <laughs> you know, when you when you have somebody's back, Richard, um the person whose back you have is usually forging a initiative. Whether it's uh a business venture, whether it's a battle, whatever it is. Generally, sometimes, it's, most of the times, it's a fight when somebody says they got your back. So they're going to let you get in the fight. You're going to be fighting. And if it looks like you're losing, that's when I come in because I got your back. Mm. Right? Yeah, that's it. But that is it. when White's, t- and it's, uh, now I'll use him for an example because he, he have said this on several occasions. And he represents a, a cadre of whites, whether they so-called democratic liberals, I don't know, because he go back and forth. Uh, his mentors were staunch segregationists, but he's a, he's a liberal. I, I, okay, whatever. But, you know, white folks don't have black people's back because they dictate the parameters that you're fighting from. Any battle that you have here, he wants to get out in front of it, set the narrative and dictate how you fight. And generally, tell you the talking points that you talk from. That's not having anybody's back. And I don't even pay no attention to that crap they're saying anyway. Because who believes that? Besides the, the few blacks that get getting money from the Democratic Party and some of these companies. Like the National Action Network and a few others. that are getting money from these Fortune 500 companies. That's not a slur. That's not me hating on Sharpton or the organization. That's a fact. They get money from these Fortune 500 companies. So when stuff happens, whether it's the NBA, because he gets money, the the, the NBA donates to them. So, and I'm just using this as an example. When something happens in the NBA or a player says something, like, uh, for example, like Kyrie Irving, and then you have Sharpton come out and basically kind of trash Kyrie, they're doing it for a reason. Because it's money that have come from those certain organizations and they don't want to stop the flow. Because if, if, if the NBA refuses to give them any more money, then some of the other brethren and some of those other corporations might do the same thing. Money from NASCAR and uh, what the hell NASCAR have to do with anybody black or any black missions going on. Why are they giving that organization money? Those are critical questions that should be asked on a lot of these black media shows that just tout uh, that these people are doing such wonderful work. The work is out front. That's the window dressing. I want to pull back the window, the, the curtain and see what's going on on the inside. Richard, let me I just want to play a couple of things. Mm-hmm. I, wa- I wanted to pull a lot from that because it was so much foolishness, uttered at that so-called conve- well, I don't want to say so-called at the com- that, that convention. I just want to pull up a little segment here of something that he said and then I want to go and uh, and kind of tie this in with something else. You remember last week when, we, when I read that syllabus of that uh, AP course in Florida yeah. and you know, if you read the first four pages of some of the course uh, things that was going to be talked about, I guess, syllabus or however you word it, uh, they seem to be, I seem to be, they were legitimate topics or things to delve into and discuss because they were part of our struggle. But one, when you get down to the pages near their back and you see all this other stuff, uh, queer theory, uh, 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 LGBTQ history, intersectionality black feminism and all this stuff that borders on lesbianism you know and then you answer the question now what does that have to do with African American history now let me play something that he said at that speech uh, Richard and uh, then I'm gonna go to a couple of published reports here if I can pull this thing up hold on a second yeah I think this is it
11: well, we're going to make sure that every community has access to affordable, high-speed Internet, so no parent has to drive to a McDonald's parking lot to have their kid sign up for connection to be able to do their homework. <clears throat> by the way, it's going to create millions of jobs in the meantime. Folks, look, speaking of education, instead of photo ops, and I know I spent a lot of time, some of are here from Delaware, know I'm a big Delaware State guy, <laughs> I went to the University of Delaware, but my political foundation was Delaware State College, HBCU. I, uh, I said I was going to help HBCUs. that haven't been getting the help they need. You know, the folks at HBCUs are as competent as anybody else, but guess what? They don't have the laboratories. They don't have the funding because they don't have the endowments to build the laboratories for these good, new-paying jobs. And so I've already, we've delivered nearly $6 billion in funding to HBCUs to invest in next generation of black leaders. That's a record, and that's a fact, and it's not going to stop. To help, look, to help close the wealth gap, the racial wealth gap.
1: Richard, <clears throat> you, you heard him say that, uh, now, Trump said the same thing, and a bunch of other presidents said the same thing before him about all this money that they invested in HBCUs, all right right yeah for this new generation of black leaders now they're creating yeah they're, <laughs> that they're creating keep that in mind keep a pin in that because i want to go back to that but let me play this portion
11: up under secretary uh fudge she is leading the effort we're expanding efforts to build black generational wealth like every other person built their wealth. How'd they build it? Homes. Investing the equity in their homes. That's how it got built. You know, if you build in the last 20...
1: Richard. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Um, He he said that he's appointed Marsha Fudge Mm -hmm. to come up with ways to build black generational wealth. I didn't know Marsha Fudge was an economist. Mm -hmm. or even involved in that. She's a HUD director. Mm -hmm. And if you even go on the basis of of the the foolishness, foolish statement he just made, Fudge went around. She was in Camden not too long ago. I think she was here in Philadelphia because of the affordable housing that they're building in the two cities. You remember that, Richard? Right. Now we discussed it here. And I think they're doing a project up in New York because we discussed... uh, with the affordable housing is starting at there, Philadelphia here in your neighborhood, Richard, where you're at now, they're building those affordable homes that HUD is giving money towards. Mm -hmm. That starts out at $260,000. You you remember what we discussed? Right. Right. Uh, That's affordable to blacks living in those areas. No, not not. by by my watch. So I don't know what he's talking about to that audience. Or maybe there are 1% blacks that got plenty of money. I don't know what he's talking about saying that he appointed Marsha Fudge to help build generational wealth among black people. I mean, what kind of stupid ass? You know, some of these white folks think that black people are stupid. And when they clapping in the audience, that just reaffirms
2: (laughs) that some of them are stupid. <laughs> but you know, you know, Elliot. Yeah, as you said that the numbers came to mind. You have to have six times the amount of the mortgage that you're asking for. So whatever six in the two forty, you know, whatever that comes out it comes out to be, right? But then he just said that the HBCUs don't have the laboratories in order to put p- to prepare the people. Of the, that new leadership, which would be the, that new group of people, so that they'd be able to get the jobs, so that they could be able to have the income, so that they could be able to go and get the mortgage for at the baseline 240. So it's some logic here or hopes that has to occur in order for people to be able to do that, it seems to me. But certainly. I mean this this
1: whole premise of this speech don't make any sense at all. Now look at what he says to this black audience. Like uh and again, like black folks are stupid. L- listen to what he says here, uh Richard, and time for waiting the audience. If I can get this back up here, hold on a second.
11: Interstate highway. And you built the same one on uh, the hold opposite on a second. side.
1: second. I'm going to back. We're sorry.
11: expanding efforts to build black generational wealth like every other person who built their wealth. How did they build it? Homes. Investing the equity in their homes. That's how it got built. You know, if you build a, in the last 25 years, you build a, a, a housing development on one side of an interstate highway, and you built the same one on the opposite side – and one is predominantly black, and the other is predominantly white. Guess what? The value of the exact same home, built by the exact same builder, is more valuable on the white side of that highway than on the, on the black side.
1: Oh, w- wow, Richard! Richard, I, I, I didn't I didn't know that. Help me with this, Richard. I, I didn't know that. <coughs> And wait a minute, he said it's only been in the past 25 years. Where the hell has this old ass been? You mean to tell me in the past 25 years that the, and, uh, homes where white folks lived in uh, was, it was always worth more than blacks? What are you talking about in the past 25 years? Who Who is he talking to? Who, who, what? Man, I'm telling you, Richard, let me, I just want to play a little bit more of this. Then I'm going to go back to something he said about the HBCUs.
11: That's a fact. So we're going to aggressively, aggressively combat racial discrimination in housing, including working to restore the rule that says if a community gets a federal housing aid, it's not enough just to say it won't discriminate. It has to be meaningful, affirmative steps to overcome patterns of segregation and give everybody a fair shot that lives there. The same thing. And by the way, if you live in one of those neighborhoods and you have the same exact car I have in the other neighborhood, you pay more for your insurance than that side. No basis for it, none at all, other than you're black.
1: Oh, wow, none I didn't way. know
11: that either. We're also working with leaders to strengthen programs to redress the negative impacts of, re- of redlining. <clears throat> one of the things I was a young county councilman, that's what almost lost me election, but I'm very proud of it trying to take care of redlining and get rid of discrimination. We're launching a $1 billion pilot project funded by my bipartisan infrastructure law that Nancy made sure we got passed. Nance, thank you.
1: Let me stop it, Richard. I'm about ready to throw up. (laughs) The the rapping clap. The rapping clap clap crew. Now, he's launching this $1 billion program, Richard. To get rid of redlining. Now, we we didn't discuss this, and I think a couple of months ago, we discussed about Citicorp, uh, uh, Wells Fargo, a couple other big banks was caught redlining here in Philadelphia. And then I read uh, uh, several different published reports from different areas of the country where this stuff has constantly been going on. Ever since that Fair Housing Act been passed in 68, these banks are still redlining. So this idiot is saying that he's devoted $1 billion to stop it. Who is believing this foolishness besides those those fools that was clapping at that NAND convention? Richard, hold it. Why are we doing this? Let me, uh, because I I had something here on the, um, this came out in the 26th of this month, this year. January 26th, Wells Fargo faced bias suit from black homeowners over appraisals. So Wells Fargo been lowballing these appraisals. Here they caught again. They just got caught two months ago with redlining in, in, in uh, Philadelphia. Now they're doing this uh, uh, lowballing black folks on, appraisal, on appraisals, and they filed this class action suit against Wells Fargo. This stuff hasn't stopped. It's not going to stop. We live in a racist society. It ain't going to stop until we do something about it by coming together. Mm. No, but listen, we depend on Biden. He's, he got your back. He's the great white father. He said he's going to give $1 billion to stop redlining and help build black equity in their homes. You wait, wait on it, Richard. Wait on it and you'll be in the street in one of the homeless shelters and they'll be closing the door there. Richard, you know, before we take a break and then uh, uh, welcome in the callers if they want to have something to say on any of these issues or even some others, let me go back. He said that he gave all this money or was giving this money to HBCUs. Now, Let's look at some of the areas where money is given. And this came from a published report on January twenty fourth of this year. Where Howard is supposedly receiving ninety million dollar contract to research uh military technology and it'll make Howard the first black institution, historically black college to get this kind of military research contract. Mm -hmm. So here it is developing uh, our youth, young minds to be warmongers like these Europeans. Mm -hmm. Is that what we want as a people? Is that what we want for our children? We don't want them to be in jail and grow up jobless like this system has that for them. But do we want them to be warmongers and, 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 uh, and, and weapons producers like this man? Do we want that for our people? Or do we want to revive some type of culture in our people that moves our people forward? Now, that's just some of the money. That's supposed to go towards HBCU, this particular HBCU, to uh, this almost $100 million contract. Let's go to something else because it borders on uh, what we talked about last week with that AP course. Now, I pulled up uh, the top colleges, black colleges. That are favorable to LGBTQ and gets money from organizations that pour it into these black colleges. And at the end of this, what I read here, I'm gonna read several of these organizations and their mission statements. And you'll see the slickness and subtlety in how they word these mission statements into you thinking that they're about something positive for black people. Let me read a couple of these things here, Richard, because it it entails several black universities. Howard University, a private four-year institution in Washington, D.C. with around 11,000 students. Uh, They have over 120 graduate and undergraduate and degree programs. Uh, the school is accredited by the Middle States Commission on Higher Education. Howard University has LGBTQ plus organizations for students in science, technology, engineering, math, uh, and law programs. The school also has an official organization for undergraduate students. The Coalition of Activist Students Celebrating Acceptance of Diversity and Equality. And the acronym is Cascade. This organization provides a safe space and advocacy for LGBTQ plus students. Howard also offers safe zone training for staff, faculty, uh and gender inclusive students. So it's money poured into the university to accomplish this, Richard. Mm. And it's focusing in uh, LGBTQ students in science, math, engineering, and technology, and law. Let me go. North Carolina Central offers flagship, flagship programs in science, education, law, business, and the arts. The school is accredited in the Southern Association of Colleges and Schools Commission on Colleges. Gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual, and other allies resource centers give students a place where they can learn about LGBTQ culture. The center also provides professional development and leadership training for students who want to increase their knowledge about issues impacting the LGBTQ community this campus also hosts signature programs like homecoming drag shows, LGBTQ prom, lavender graduation and transgender awareness events. Now, Richard, what does a black college what does that have to do with learning about what 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 is this? Now this is money. When I get to the end of it, I'm going to show you the companies that have given money. And I ain't talking about no couple of bucks either to these schools for doing this. It says here, let me read this again, where they can learn about LGBTQ plus culture and have knowledge, uh, professional development and leadership training for students who want to increase their knowledge and outreach uh, on issues impacting the LGBTQ plus community. What LGBTQ culture what is that what is that you're learning at a black college? What is LGBTQ culture?
2: Let me go. Let me go forward,
1: Richard. Uh, North Carolina A&T University, nationally recognized for its degree programs in science, technology engineering, math, and STEM. Now notice where all of these programs are located, Richard. The campus has LGBTQ resource centers that provide social and peer support, information, education uh, for students, staff, faculty, and allies. The school hosts safe zone training and several quarterly events such as Pride, celebrations, Transgender Awareness, and national coming out days. Now, Richard, it says that it is has opened these resource centers on campus to provide social and peer support and information and education for LGBTQ students, faculty, staff, and allies. Who? What's, an, what's the allies? Uh, who are they? i understand hey. I understand the students, faculty, and staff that they're, they're they're the ones on the campus. who is these allies that 's coming in I guess to do the training they're the allies mm-hmm. see this is richard this is i 'm telling you our, our people got a wig. i think some of our people that are that are historians or whatever may have this stuff may have slipped by them let 's go to mm-hmm. Albany State. A four-year public institution, one of the largest HBCUs in Georgia. The school is accredited by the South, Southern Association of Colleges and Schools Commission on Colleges. About 40 undergraduate programs, uh, most of them uh, human performance, biology, criminal justice, uh, early childhood education, and psychology. Albany State offers safe zone projects which helps educate people about their sexual orientation and gender identity. It also creates a visual network of allies to provide support to the LGBTQ community. This training program uh, exists for faculty and staff, and the goal is to provide LGBTQ students with mentors on campus. Now, wait a minute, Richard, let me go back. It says it creates a visual network of allies. Here we go again. These allies, Richard. It's almost like, where are these people? Boom, they appear, these allies. It says hmm. it creates a, vis- a visible network of allies to provide support uh, for the LGBTQ community. This training program exists for faculty, staff, and to provide students with mentors on campus. So here we go again, Richard. You've got faculty, staff, and students, but these allies on campus. Mm. These allies. <laughs> okay, let me go a forward. Fayetteville State University, uh, for your institution, North Carolina, uh, about six, eight, sixty-eight thousand, sixty-eight hundred students. The institution is considered to be a military, computer-friendly college accredited by the Southern Association of Colleges and Southern Commission on Colleges. Fayetteville State is stepping out as a leader when it comes to supporting the LGBT plus community. It has safe zone offices, which gives students an opportunity to meet each other and build community. Faculty and staff are encouraged to put safe zone stickers on their doors to symbolize supportive and respect respectful communities. Now notice Richard, and a lot of these schools that I didn't mention so far, they have set up these safe zones mm-hmm. and allies come in and work out of these safe zones. This particular school got stickers. You can put it on your doors. This is a safe area. You're on a college campus, Richard. You're on a college campus a lot of our people went to black uh, HBCUs. Where, where is this stuff? Where is this stuff coming from? Where is it on our college campuses being taught to our children? Let me finish up. Tennessee State University, a four-year public institution in Nashville, Tennessee. The school offers over 40 bachelor, 20 master's degree programs, eight doctoral programs, and serves 8100 students. The institution offers safe zone training to promote inclusivity for LGBTQ students, staff, and faculties. Faculty, I'm sorry. It also regularly offers LGBTQ students focused programs like panel discussions, speaker series, and education and outreach opportunities. The school also offers its great a, straight, a, lot, a gay straight alliance. And it was one of the four historically black colleges and universities that first received a grant from the human rights campaign to advance uh, on-campus LGBTQ inclusion. Keep that in mind, Richard, because at the end of this, I'm going to talk about this human rights campaign foundation that have paid a lot of these black colleges and what it's for. Uh, Morgan State University, a uh, four-year institution in Maryland, is the largest HBCU in Maryland. It has more than 140 academic degree programs, from baccalaureate to doctorate. Morgan has an LGBTQ advisory board for faculty, staff, and students. Its mission is to create a welcoming campus climate and increase resources and services available for the LGBTQ community. This is also a student. There is also a student organization uh, called soul, which stands for students open to unique loving. (laughs) The, The women and gender studies department also offers an academic minor with courses on sexuality and gender discussions and events also held every semester on LGBTQ issues now, now wait a minute, Richard, let me go back on this because almost each one of these schools got something you scratching your head. Now the student, this is, st- they're already offering all of these things. The, the allies again are on campus, Richard, and mm-hmm. they're teaching the, uh, the staff, uh, the advisory board and the faculty and the students, these allies is teaching them about the uh, inclusivity and welcome and the services available to LGBTQ students. And it also formed this organization called soul, soul, Richard mm-hmm. students open to unique loving. See, come on. See,
2: Richard, I don't, I don't know what to say, man. <laughs> They they got to correct that, you know. A thought comes to my mind, but I'll, I'll maybe after break I'll you know bring it up. But uh, it's interesting. Let me and, a- and I do want to hear who's this funding.
1: Okay, let me let me do a few more of these, then we'll, then I'll take break, then we we'll, you know kind of transition go forward. <clears throat> Spelman University became the first HBCU CU to offer and to launch the queer studies chair in honor of. Andre Lord Uh, The school also establishes a transgender task force To look at enrollment graduation services and resources for transgender students So at Spelman they got a queer Studies chair I guess they're gonna be offering a doctorate and all or or bachelor's in that I don't know. Maybe they are already. Who knows? FAMU, Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University. FAMU is a four year public institution in Tallahassee, Florida. Offers over a hundred degree programs in both undergraduate and graduate level with over nine thousand students. The school offers LGBTQ student resource centers and student organization called Spectrum. Spectrum is an LGBTQ plus organization focused on promoting gender equality and advocating for justice in the FAMU area. Bowie State University is the oldest HBCU in Maryland. Bowie State offers and serves over 6,000 students. The school has been on the forefront of LGBTQ inclusion and the first HBCU to open a gender and sexuality uh, as, as gender and sexualities diversity center and the first to have queer studies course approved uh it's the first LGBTQ student organization oh, formed the first LGBTQ student organization called Mosaic And was established to provide LGBTQ plus students with access to leadership opportunities, programs, and services. Uh, Fort Valley State University in Georgia. Fort Valley State has a gay straight alliance on campus. Students have access to the alliance services, programs, peer mentoring, and support from allies. Additionally, the campus also has a pride navigator, which helps LGBTQ plus students navigate academic, social, psychological, and community service. So this pride navigator, I guess he's one of the allies, Richard. He or she she is the ally. At Savannah State, they got several more here. I'm not going to read all the rest of these schools. Uh, and 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 what they're doing uh well let me read a couple more jackson state university four year institution in mississippi accredited by the Southern Association of Colleges and Southern Commission on college the institution offers uh oh camp, uh, the campus serves over seven thousand students and the popular majors include biology uh Interdisciplinary studies, criminal justice. The institution also offers LGBTQ plus students organization called Spectrum. Here's this organization again, Spectrum. It was in a couple other schools too, along with this Safe Zone. Spectrum is a goal to promote awareness, education, and outreach for LGBTQ staff, students, and faculty. The organization regularly hosts events, uh, even conducts a forum on being a good LGBTQ person in the Greek organization. So the allies that teach these classes, Richard, to students, faculty, and staff, is also showing uh, people how to be a good LGBTQ person in the Greek organizations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tuskegee has one. Morehouse has one. Uh, not in one. It has these programs on campus. The Morehouse in 2002 launched the first LGBTQ student organization, Safe Space. In 2010, held the inaugural uh, Pride Weeks on campus. Uh, the first LGBTQ course was offered, uh, focusing in on black LGBTQ figures in culture and politics. Xavier. Uh, university, the same thing, almost the same thing, Norfolk State. These universities with these, uh, these, uh, quote unquote resources and courses on campus. Now, if you remember, Richard, I read earlier when it mentioned that, um, one of the schools that, I, I uh, uh, read, I think it was Howard. No, it was Tennessee state, uh, in 2014, received this money from a human rights campaign to advance uh, on-campus HBCU, HBCU inclu- inclusion, excuse me, on-campus LGBTQ plus inclusion, right? Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> now let me read a couple of these organizations that uh, are pouring this money in there. And, and where some of it is coming from the human rights campaign. You remember I read that in dealing right. with Tennessee state. This is the mission statement. This organization helps and supports HBCUs in engaging policies and services that promote LGBTQ inclusion and engagement. The goal is to provide education, outreach, program services, to HBCU leaders and students to build leadership competency around promoting more inclusivity. Uh, Since the program's inception, it has established partnerships with over 30 HBCUs. Services include National uh, HBCU Leadership Summit and HBCU HBCU LGBTQ plus alumni network. So Richard, wait a minute. This human rights campaign has given money, large sums of money to over 30 HBCUs. And has developed this national HBCU leadership summit. Right. Right. Let me read some of the corporate sponsors to just this one, this human rights uh, uh, campaign. Okay, uh, hold it. The platinum sponsors Amazon, American Airlines, Apple, Google, Intel, Lyft, Macy's, the Match Group, I don't know who that is, Microsoft, Morgan Stanley. Nationwide Insurance, Neiman Marcus, Pfizer, the one that's been giving them shots in people's
9: arms,
1: (laughs) Walt Disney Corporation, UPS, then they got gold partners. They were the platinum partners, Richard, the ones that give a lot of money. Look at the gold partners, CVS, Uh, DoorDash. Lexus Nike Nordstrom PayPal then they got silver partners you you going down to you you almost scraping the bottom of the barrel with MGM US Bank Mastercard Citibank Capital One BP they're the silver partners Richard day they, they, they you you're scraping the bottom of the barrel now Visa. Then you got the Bronze Partners, Richard. They're the, they're the lowest on the totem pole, Richard. You want me to read a few of them? Hey, go ahead. Yeah. Best Buys, um, Dell, Hershey, Hyatt, IBM, PepsiCo, Ross, T Mobile, Shell. Mm. So. You see, this is just this one. You see, when that Biden said, oh, we're giving $6 billion to HB, $6 billion. where's this money going to? Who's giving it and why? Those are the critical questions to ask. Mr. Slickhair and the people in that organization need to be asking the critical questions. Black media need to be asking the critical questions. Where is this money coming from and why? You already see why. I done read to you some of the stuff that's going on on these college campuses. Now, because it mentions that the human rights one is just one. Let me read a couple more of these, Richard. That's given money on these campuses to start these programs. And you see that human rights campaign is they got big corporate sponsors. You, you, sold, you heard those names. Right, right. You got another one, National Black Justice Coalition. Now, if you read that, you, it seems powerful. It seems like wow, they, you know, you know, these they got young people doing something here. These these uh, uh, allies, who, no, what did it wasn't allies. What, did it, what was it? The, I read that term. Was it allies? It was allies, wasn't it? Yeah, allies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this organization, National Coalition, National Black Justice Coalition. They're one of the ones on the campus. Now let me read the mission statement. The coalition's mission is to end racism. It don't stop there, Richard. Homophobia and LGBTQ plus bias. Providing advocacy, education and outreach and organizations also helps to inform around empowering LGBTQ plus individuals and their allies. Here we go again. There's allies. They they, they keep popping up, Richard. Mm. The National Black Justice Coalition also provides leadership development and training for students to build their knowledge about promoting LGBTQ plus on their respective campuses. Provides leadership. You remember when he said that he's giving this money for leadership on these campuses, Richard? There you go. Okay. I just want you to follow along. Here's another one here. Center for Black Equity. Another, wow, seems like a powerful black organization, right? Mm -hmm. Let me read the mission statement. The Center for Black Equity goal is to develop, cultivate a multinational LGBTQ plus network dedicated to improving economic empowerment and equal rights. The center organized pride celebrations around the world, provides leadership training on LGB, promoting LGBTQ plus inclusion and engaging in work policy. Now, these are the, uh, along with this human rights campaign, who have partnership in over 30 HBCUs, these are some of the other ones National Black Justice Coalition, the Center for Black Equity. The Andre Lord Project, I think we read that earlier. And this is another one here, the Brown Boy Project. I'm not even going to read. You can imagine what this is about. I'm not reading that. But you see, when he said that there's money going to these HBCUs, that, that might be the only right thing that he said during that speech. But he didn't say where the money was going and who was giving it. mm just wanted to throw that in there. We're gonna take a brief break, and I know we went long. But uh listen, the phone is open. Anybody wanna call in, any topics they want to raise, uh, things they want to discuss, maybe based on some of the things we said, or anything you want to say, you can do that by dialing two-one five-four nine zero ninety-eight thirty-two. That's two one five-four nine zero nine eight three two. Time for an awakening. We're in open forum, and we'll be right back.
7: RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837.
12: Escape the digital plantation. abibitumi.com, 2 mecom IBB2Me.tv, are here for you. You are ready to be free. To join your global Commit to You Black family, to join your interconnected Commit to You Black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation.
5: I am an African, the death of my brother is also my death. Let me put this question to you again, because many foolish black middle classes and many foolish people who are eating well think that they can sit in America and watch this country destroy the African continents and watch this country destroy African Caribbeans and watch this country destroy Africans in Central and South America and think that these same people who destroy Africans abroad will not be the same people who will destroy them in America. There are fools in this this country who try to claim that they are not Africans, who claim that they do not see color, as if they're not seeing color makes any difference in the world. Simply because you don't see color doesn't mean somebody does not see you as color. And that's the issue. And you think then that you can sit in this country While this same nation and these same people that you sleep with and marry and love and so forth can go out and destroy African people and not think those people do not see you as African. Even though you choose not to see yourself as African, you'd better think again. You're out of your minds and you're headed for death. You must understand that. Hide behind it. I am an American. Ladies and gentlemen, these death and destruction of black people will follow those kind of abstractions.
13: Probably the next five or ten years will indicate whether or not the black man can survive. Our struggle for survival is a very real struggle. And the white man has prepared genocide for black people. Unemployment, the black man is no longer necessary. Unemployment is going to be a way of life for black people. We are going to face increasing dangers and problems as the days pass. And we're totally unequipped as black people to deal with them. We're a part of a slave culture. We have no preparation, we have no black institutions capable of dealing with white racist institutions designed to serve only white people. We must deal with the problem that confronts black people by building black institutions, by understanding that only a separatist position is a viable position for black people. Any organization or any leader in America who today advocates integration is a foe and an enemy of black people and their survival in the coming years.
3: this crooked game of power politics here in America the Negro namely the race problem integration civil rights issue, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives either to get into power or to retain power among whites here in America The political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal, and white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way, The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football.
12: You are listening to Time for an Awakening. Time Time for an Awakening. Awakening. With host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media. Part of the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasting. Or live program scheduling. Hit them up at Time for an Awakening at Gmail dot com.
1: Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 842 here in this Sunday additional time for awakening. We're in open forum this evening. Anything on your mind, you can give us a call. We'll talk about it. Time we have on. Uh you can do that by down 215 490 9832 That's 215 490 9832 uh, Richard, uh, yes. one of the reasons that um, that I read that, based on some of the, the foolishness that was talked about at that NAND convention, plus um, I was reading an article in the uh, this latest edition of The Final Call, and on the second page there, the third page, it's a header that says, why the role of black college students is vital in the liberation movement. And it talks about uh, some of the student organizations uh, that contributed to this article in the final call. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's a battle on these college campuses for the minds of our youth. Mm-hmm. Europeans seen that during the 60s, during the, what they consider a volatile period, the black power movement, things of that nature that a lot of the activists that was moving forward on issues, whether it was H. Rap Brown, uh, H. Rap Brown, or J. Uh, J. Or, or, or any of the other brothers that came out of the, uh, those movements came off of those college campuses. Mm-hmm. It was an incubator of, of, uh, critical thinking and collective thought. Mm-hmm. So here in this new battle moving forward, with a lot of issues that are being talked about now from reparations to other issues. You see them now planning their battle strategy on these college campuses. They know just like this uh, article here in the final calls header is why the role of the black college students is vital in the liberation movement. They know that a lot of this uh, uh, critical thinking and and, uh, 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 idea development might and I use the term might come off these campuses and it's going to also come from the streets. Malcolm was from the streets. He didn't go to college. Other people, there's a lot of activists that were from the streets, but it's a lot of other stuff now being mixed in that has nothing to do with our struggle. It has nothing to do with black culture, but it's mixed in with their lifestyle that, uh, basically not of black culture. So, uh, you know, not that we have our work cut out for us because we know what we up against, but we just got to do all we can to push back against a lot of this stuff that has nothing to do, uh, with the liberation of our people. Or just like you said, the, uh, the kind of mission statement of, um, of uh of uh mm-hmm. of the organization, with Carter G. Woods' organization about uh, what does like. black struggle mean. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, let me let me say this. Um. Because we had a guest scheduled last week and uh, he didn't make it on. Hopefully, by next week, we will have him, and I want his story to be heard by our time for awakening audience. We've had some of our past guests and I, I'm not going to mention their names right now because they're, they're in the process of, uh, of going to his aid. They sent folks up there to kind of look at what's going on. And now it's uh, uh it's folks that's going to his aid. Uh, it's a black rancher and farmer in Colorado. And now Richard, this is not strange because there's a lot of these stories that's going on that black folks have no clue about because some of them are not even in the news. Now, I credit Brother Maurice Scarver up there in New York because he sent me the article. And, Richard, it's not in another news I don't know whether you're talking about the New York Times, the Washington Post. You can't find it in no other paper. But the story is very much real. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's a black rancher and, uh, f- uh, uh, up there in Colorado that owns a thousand acres of land, beautiful country, Richard. I have seen the pictures, you know, you see the, 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 uh, Rockies in the background, the land, almost as far as you can see, uh, he has cattle, uh, uh goats, he has livestock and it, it, he's raising, uh, stuff on, on, the, on, the, he has a multiplicity of acres. And he had mentioned that him and his wife owns the land, and they've been up there for a while. He'll uh, Hopefully he'll be on here to tell his own story. Just want to give people a little background if they wanted to kind of look it up, because you can find the article and read it for yourself. It's a two-part article. And he's being terrorized by people in that Colorado area. And it reminds me of uh, they have a television program out uh mm-hmm. Yellowstone, mm-hmm. but they also made a couple of prequels to Yellowstone is 1883 and 1923. And it showed how Europeans that went up all in those areas where it was remote and away from a lot of cities where they acquired a lot of land. And the way they kept that land was basically using the gun. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Uh, uh, brother Mallory is being terrorized up there by white farmers and ranchers in the area that want his land he said first they wanted to lease acres of his land and he didn't want to do that so then they started a terrorizing campaign killing cattle killing goats uh, uh, terrorizing him and his wife uh, uh, riding on the farm cutting his fence Stuff like that. He said he had went to the sheriff of the area because he's up in uh, El Paso County, Colorado. And the sheriff is basically in alignment or cahoots with several of the white ranchers up there in that Colorado area. Uh, he did say that he went to, because it was some type of NAACP gathering, it was, it was a gathering in Denver. He traveled to Denver to express that he needed help. And he was basically rebuffed by the NAACP in Denver that they couldn't get involved so he uh, uh this member of the press that wrote the story um, at the bottom of the article contains different black elected officials uh members of the CBC the national uh NAACP office to phone like a phone campaign to get this brother some help In the meantime, he's being terrorized in a remote area of Colorado. Mm. When you own a land that large, there's a lot of things that can happen. And you feel unsafe. He mentioned that a lot of times he goes sleepless nights uh, trying to, you know, be up to protect his household and his family. Uh, Like I said before, some of the listeners to this program uh, formed a group. The first, they went up to scout out the situation, and now they're going up there next weekend to kind of spend some time with him to stay there. And just like the Second Amendment says, you got a right to protect your property, Richard. So I, I, hopefully he'll be on with us uh and to tell his own story so the Time for Awakening audience can hear it. And then maybe they can help aid him by calling some of the elected officials and make them aware of what's going on just in case they aren't, because the local NAACP is very much aware because he talked with them, and when they told him that they couldn't get involved, they're aware of what's going on. You know, they can't get involved in a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah well, well, listen, Richard, when you're not in control of an organization that claim that you are, then you can't. Listen, we've, we we had uh, uh, the brothers up there in uh, Westchester uh, with the Bureau. Mm-hmm. That, uh, and I spoke with the NAACP president up there. I spoke personally. I didn't get a message saying that he couldn't get involved. I spoke with her personally, and she told me that she was instructed not to get involved. And she's the president of that branch. So I didn't even get into who, who instructed you. I, I'm not stupid. I just, I, okay, all right, whatever. And I moved on. But just like you said, they're instructed not to get involved in a lot of different things. But when I you're mean, not, when you're not in control, you dance by somebody else's tune go ahead i'm sorry
2: i do know when i think about tennessee you know uh the same thing when i think about buffalo i mean these are the reports we come back from these local yes. areas yes who who go to um you know um this branch thinking that, that they can get help at least get some empathetic support and they they like Open you know, you talk about the West. They open, you know, it's almost like a speakeasy. They open a the little slide, people out, and say, oh, close it up. And
1: close it up. And you know what? I forgot about them because the people from Mason came on and said that they tried to work, to talk to them, no help. We know what Brother Patrick and them, when they went to the NAAC. In fact, you had the, one of the, the chapter heads down there that was on mm. the program. Because they, they had a
2: conference at the time.
1: Exactly, they had a conference at the time. Benny Swans, I keep saying Benny Swans, Benny Sam, uh, Bernie, what's his name? Uh, um, Benny Thompson, I'm sorry, I'm talking about Benny Sample. Benny Thompson and them were there. He said they didn't even bring it up, Richard. You remember, he was on the program right. and said it. Right. And then when he, he brought it up, they basically, you know, blew it off. He had to talk about it in the parking lot after the meeting was over so it's a lot of these issues that they don't for some reason they don't want to get involved in.
2: And when we talk about land, when you say about the land, it makes me think about the black farmers. And the interviews we've had with the black farmers and what they've said in relationship to the land or even as money was coming to them. And I, and I put it in the same you know, I put it in the same category because when the money was coming to them from out of the federal trough, then all of a sudden you got these, the banks and these other far, white farmers saying, oh, no, they can't get that. <laughs>
1: uh, I think uh, Brother Otis wanted to call in, I think, let, let's go to him and then we uh we go to 215. Uh, let's go to 757 in Newport News. Can you hear me? Hey,
10: hey, brothers, can y'all hear me? Yes, sir. Look, I wanted to hit you real quick, uh, Brother Elliot. Please share that link to the articles that you were talking about because I've been having some recent Twitter chats about it. But on this thing with that farmer, I put it in the chat so you could see because my mind hit on it when you first mentioned him Did, last week when he so was supposed you, to come on.
1: You read it, You read the
10: article? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been following it. And I want it, what I want to say to you is, when I tried to find out whether or not the cBC had made any comments on it, I think I found one or two things where they claim uh possible ongoing investigations they can't get any. but this is the point I want to make to you. They think we don't have a good memory, so I put it in your chat. You look at it back remember when that Bundy ranch bullshit was going on? The yes. you know White acts act foolish out there
0: mm-hmm.
10: fifteen fifteen active congressmen ran their mouth non-stop while that was going on, picking sides. And I put an article in there to show you. That's way back in 2014, but see, some people don't watch the continuity. What I'm saying to you is the CBC got every right to stand up for that man being terrorized out here. He's a U.S. citizen. They'll, respond, they'll tell you, even though they're locally elected, they have a responsibility to the whole country. It's and, and what I get upset with, even some of the people I'm working with, and I don't want to get too emotional But you know, I've been trying to have my old behind involved and stuff, and I don't brag about what I do, but I'll give you an idea. When I first started doing activism, I went around to several of the black HBCUs right here in my area, and I'm in Yorktown, Virginia, from Norfolk State to Virginia State University, talking to young people that they needed to get involved. Don't wait and let these old heads tell you what ought to be going on. You need to get in it because any damn thing my generation gets, It's going to be your responsibility to hold on to protect it in perpetuity because these white folks do not forget. It ain't no such thing as score a touchdown and it's all over with. So here's what I'm saying to you. Even now when I spend time five or six zooms sometimes in a week talking to some of these youngsters, they want to stay involved on their personal instead of understanding what I told them that I learned that my father had instilled in me, but I actually got it when I went in the Air Force. When you understand a commitment to something bigger than yourself, there becomes a thing called duty and integrity, where you put what's important for your people above your personal whims. Doesn't mean you don't be the best at what you could be, just like uh, King said, whether you're a janitor or a damn rocket scientist, I don't care. Be the best at what you could be, but in the end, you cannot sell out your people for a personal gain. And and it's not just the young people that are getting that. I see it when you see somebody in the NAACP, like that. What's his name, Derek or Johnson, or whatever the hell his name is. Look at the fact that this man is actually born and raised in Jacksonville. You run the NAACP and you got your mouth in Jewish affairs and Indian affairs and every damn thing else signing on with it. But when it comes down to one of your own, you don't touch it because of some written, some unwritten law to get along with politicians. It's bullshit. And until we get to where we want to, all of us cultivate our own and put them in office, because that's the only way you can hold them accountable. They have to have the mindset that their personal gain Cannot come before the collective. I keep doing the work you're doing, brother. But share them,
1: share them links. <laughs> thanks, thanks, sir, for your contribution. Yeah, he, uh, Richard. He, put, you see that link he put in there. Yeah, uh, I remember yeah. that story when they, uh, when that, <clears> that on that farm with that guy Bundy. Uh, you know that incident that happened. He says fifteen members of Congress who shared Clive Bundy's desire to seize or sell off. America's public land. You remember when they ran a guy off his uh, property? Right,
2: right, right, right.
1: But it said that 15 members of Congress got involved. This this uh, story that he shared here in the uh in the chat.
2: Right. I see. I'm looking at it now. And and you know, Elliot, it, it goes to what you know, and I and I hate to go back to, if we don't have a national consciousness. If we don't have a con, I mean, n- even if we don't live in the same space, and, and the sister just sent me the text that even on Twitter, um, you, you know, people are raising money to assist the brother in Colorado. But it's because we, you know, and going with um, brother, brother Otis uh, just said, we have to have a national consciousness. We don't have to be living in the same space. Yes. We just have to be able to say that we're about the same objective. Regardless of where we are, and we move accordingly, regardless of where it has to be moved to. But for some reason, you know, and and this goes to what you were saying that's going on with these this narrowing the ideal of what you're supposed to identify, that now you only identify with what your identity is, and that gets into your personal identity, which I heard, bro, Brothers raised, mm-hmm. compared to your national identity. What about if all that money was by these hair corporations was given to deal with black people trauma on college university? They don't come with trauma. They don't need assistance. They don't need allies. They don't need special rooms to go through to address the trauma, the psychological trauma of being black in America, even in this time. But <laughs> ain't no money going to that?
1: No. Yeah, this is, it's millions of dollars going in to push this agenda on black schools, and and just this, this one organization is involved in thirty schools. Now the other ones didn't say how many organizations I mean, this other these other three organizations that I named didn't mention how many schools that they were involved in. But this one, this uh, uh, oh, no, I just read them. And it was in front of me, this uh, human rights campaign said that they were involved in 30 uh, HBCUs with this, with that, with their mission on campus. To develop black leadership in these STEM schools to push this agenda. <laughs> Let's go to two one five, two one five.
9: Good, good evening, Brother Elliot. Good evening, Brother Richard. How y'all brothers doing tonight? How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Elliot and Brother Richard. Thanks for asking. Your brother, I hope you and Brother Richard forgive me. I just tuned in about a half hour, 20 minutes ago. I was. I just game, came from the Temple game, Houston game. Temple lost, man. I was going to, to put my brother Aaron McKee and stuff, and they lost a tough game in Houston. But, uh, you know, I had to support the brother. Uh, before I talk about, and it's good following Brother Otis, good hearing from Brother Otis and stuff. And Brother Otis still on the case, man. Before I talk about this, the seriousness of the, the matter, Ellen, Richard, I just want to, you know, throw a little um, humor in, if you want to call it that. I know you, I know you, Brother Ellen and Brother Richard, in the town for with the listen audience, I know y'all brothers and sisters feeling safe now that, that Biden shot down that China spy plane. I know, don't, don't they make you and Richard feel safe now?
1: Well that was a balloon. it wasn't a plane. I mean, it's a balloon. I mean yeah. I mean
9: below. I meant to say balloon. I'm saying I meant to say balloon, You know what I mean? i meant to say balloon. But, but don't they make you don't they make you and brother Richard full on stage now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 you know, you know, it's like when, see when they come to these Europeans, Brother Allen Richard, you almost have to laugh to keep from crying because they talk about some. It was a, a, a Chinese spy balloon. Like they like they don't spy on nobody. You know what I mean? All, all of them do it to each other. You know what I mean? But they are gonna act like this like this is some kind of shock to the world. This is some kind of outrageous. When they doing this stuff, they probably they probably got one over in China now spying on them. I mean, these people, man, they are so they are so bad. Oh I don't even know what to say. These people are so fraudulent. <laughs> I mean, I tell you, man. But yeah, but well, yeah, you know, but you here, know like what? Before
1: before you finish your thought. Be- uh, sure. In, uh, in that in that vein, listen. The United States did more than uh, 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 shoot down a balloon. They have shot and killed people's leaders of other countries. Sure. Now, if you notice, America would would basically trash other people if other nations were doing that. You mm-hmm. don't hold on a second. Yes. You don't see. It's no evidence. Of any of these other nations, involving themselves in other people's politics by killing their leadership, the United States is, holds that distinction seem like of their own. I don't know of any other nation. Whether you got the Chinese government, a Russian government, or any of these other governments, mm-hmm. is going and killing other people's leaders and putting puppets in government.
9: That's true. Oh, United States have a long history of it and stuff. You're absolutely right, brother Elliot. like I said, see when you look at the, the look at the, uh, the tension between United States and Iran. See, a lot of people don't realize they go way back. Because uh, in 1953, when, when, when he, now this country always talks about democratic elections, right? As long as the democratic elections go, and they put the flunky or the or the flunky or the or the sucker what they want in there, then the democracy works. When the people of Iran, which is called Persia, when they and, and, and when they elected the Muslim brother Muhammad Mosaddegh, by, by by the free will of the people, he won fair square. What the United States do? They overthrew him and put the Shah of Iran in there. You know what I mean? Same 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 thing with um, with with, with the, the brother down in Venezuela. When, 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 when Maduro won the election, saying square, because they got President Carter and the group of pe- former President Jimmy Carter, and a group of people went over there and they monitored the election. They said it was saying square because they didn't, didn't go to the United States. They can get their puppet in there. They're going to say it was a fraud in the election. I mean, these devils are something else, man. As long as they, they can't get their flunkies in there, whether it be black flunkies or white flunkies or whatever. They, then all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's, it's a fraud election, man. <laughs> I tell these people are something else, man. And, and for us to keep thinking, that somehow we going to get some kind of freedom from these people by begging and pleading instead of just doing any... Like my, like Trudy Douglas say freedom is not free. But any self-respecting people, just take your damn freedom. You don't beg a white man for no freedom. We we, we stand up like a man and woman because as, as the late, great Dr. King said, Brother Allen, a man can't ride your back if you don't lay down, you know what I mean? So the artist is butt-kissing and, and begging and pleading and, and trying to be accepted by these people. that's not going to work, man, because you see clearly... If these people uh, don't have no no love for our people, and and, and, and like I was saying to a brother about that, that bigot down in Florida, that Francis, I said he's right about that homosexual, or queer stuff. But I'm not I'm not praising that devil because he's sure he's he still is no the big bigot. He just happened to be right about that because I don't know if you heard, I don't know if you and Richard was aware of this, Elliot. And I know you don't. I know y'all guys don't follow hockey because I'm not I don't follow hockey like that too. But I. You know, over the years, you've had some black players in hockey some real good ones. Well, the National Hockey League recently, I Elliot. They had said they, it, they was making an attempt to increase the number of black players in hockey. Well, they said Ronson Santos went after the NHL and told them, if you if you start recruiting black players, we're going to boycott your league. And I'm telling myself, and from what I heard, the National Hockey League capitulated and into, into, uh, to into Santa. So I'm saying to myself, though he may be right about that thing with the black queer thing, I praise that devil. He's a devil. He ain't no damn good. He's a racist bigot. He's like the one in Virginia uh, down there and and, and and all the rest of them old bigots and stuff like that. So I'm not – that's the Trump, too, like I tell people all the time. Biden ain't no damn good, but that don't mean I'm supporting Donald Trump. He's a racist bigot, too. Yeah, you know I mean, they're these people. The people had, don't have our interests at heart, man. You know what I mean? You know, we we sit around here like these people, like it's some, like Malcolm said, like some dip between these people, like Malcolm said. You, you got liberals and conservatives, both parties, and all they want to do is use black folks for the political football. You know what I mean? And none of them biggest got our no interests about people. And, and, and when it comes down to for real, for real, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's, it, to me, to me, it's clear. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's no mystery here. You know what I mean? But yeah, I mean and, 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 and I close these last couple of times. I know you are getting short on time, but like I said, when you look at the situation now with the police situation and stuff like that, and again I want our people to, 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 to go for the like you said I go for the for the boat because once again you see white America act trying to act like they so concerned about black people being killed by the police because they could these five stupid ignorant negroes they need to be dealt with in the most harsh way and stuff. They wanna they, they they sacrificial lambs because for some reason these stupid negroes, I guess they thought they could Get away with that stuff when they figure they watch their white brother and get away, say so they could do it too. They're gonna realize those white racist cops who they trying to suck up to a plea, the white the white police establishment they don't care nothing about Tyree, they don't care nothing about them, so they want them to sacrifice them. Because as I said, Brother Elliot, when have you ever heard in your life a FOP being sympathetic towards black people, the local FOP down in, in Mississippi, Tennessee? expressed condolences to Tariq to, 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 to Nichols family and, and said that, that what they put the police there was criminal. No wonder if you ever heard them them devils say that when them white cops brutalize our people, whether it be whether it be George Floyd, whether it be Brianna Taylor. I mean the list goes on and on Eric Garner. You ain't never heard no F O P say they said that that when the white cops brutalize our people that's wrong. But all of a sudden when these five stupid ignorant Negroes do what they did then all of a sudden they they it's criminal. Get out of here! If a lot of people can't see through this nonsense, we we crazy, man. You know what I mean? We, we need to stop this foolishness of these people, man. You know? But, I, but like you said, our black leadership is, is a disgrace and stuff, man. And it would end up with like brother. Even brother Richard said to you just now. What? What basically? I'm not picking for brother Richard, but brother Richard said basically, what are they good for? They can't never get involved in anything. When you when you when you was telling brother Richard just now about the. The, the, the sister up in New York, when they had the mural, she said she couldn't get involved. The, the brother that we helped in out in Colorado, the local N66, said they can't get involved. What, 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 are, they, what, what are they there for? I mean, if, if they well, can't help out, minute. what the hell is they there for, you know?
1: They're good for, they're good for having a convention in Atlantic City where they invite, come out. We're getting a little interference on your line.
9: I'm that I'm sorry.
1: I said we was getting a little interference on in your line. I said they're good. Oh, for, yeah. They're good for having a convention in Atlantic City, and they can invite a Kamala Harris and other people. They're good for having the conventions,
9: and that's about all they good for too, man. Because like you like you told Brother Victor, you don't control nothing when when, you, when at the bottom line cutting through the chase, when you're controlled by these white Jews and they do your marching orders, there ain't nothing damn thing you can do for your people. And so that's why I can never join. I told Brother Dick Gregory, and I love our, our dear ancestor now, Brother Dick Gregory. I told Brother Dick right there, John he's been Brother. I know that N.W.P. and Clifford should join it, maybe you can help change it from the inside. I said, Brother Dick, I only I joined N.W.P. one time. I should never help help my man here, fully, Joey Temple, when he ran for the local presidency. I said, I don't have nothing to do with that handkerchief head. An organization, they're but as useless as the wet rag. I say to the brother, Dick Ben, and I stand by it now. They're disgraceful stuff, man. They can't do nothing for our people unless they get permission from these people, man. So, you know, it's just, they're a joke, man. They're a complete joke, you know. But one brother in which I don't want to take time, I, I, you know, let me express myself, man. Uh, and put me to the, the rest of the show. Good show as usual, man. Good show.
1: Let me let me say something to you. Can you get to an area where you can, because there's a lot of interference on your back?
9: I know. Let me try to get to the back of this thing. Hold on for a second. Hold on a second. I mean, you hear me you, a
0: little
9: better? you hear me a little better now? No, it's
1: even worse. But don't worry about it. We'll, 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 I'll, I'll, we'll catch you another time.
9: Okay, put me on mute, Ellen, and I'll get to the rest of the show. Right. I thanks, brother. i sorry about that.
1: No problem. Let's go to 212 in New York City. 212.
4: Hey, what's going on, brothers? This is brother Maurice in New York. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. What's going on with, with y'all? Y'all y'all blowing the whole place up, man. The show is burning down. You know, black leaders are gonna be upset. They gonna come looking for y'all. Y'all keep it up. Yeah,
1: they look for Richard. They'll be looking for Richard.
4: Well, but Richard is, Richard is, a, Richard is a, a, a gift to black people and stuff. This is but a, that's a brilliant brother, and I, I respect you so much, brother Richard, and your you know, it's it's a it's a it's a difference between having knowledge and being able to make it plain to the to the to the people so they understand it. And uh, so I appreciate you know the work that you, you two brothers are doing. You know, I'm, I'm I was laughing because I was I was thinking about some of the stuff Brother Richard was saying, and I thought about a speech that uh Frederick Douglass made when they were talking about black people. What what do black people want when white people were trying to figure out what they want to do with black people? And, then, and the the thing that I, I thought was so interesting about what Frederick Douglass said, he said there's three times y'all wanted us to be citizens. Every time you had a war going on, you want us to be a citizen. He said, but we're not citizens when it's peacetime. We're, no, we're nothing but aliens. Mm-hmm. And I would even argue, based on what Brother Richard was saying, that regardless of whatever, peace or wartime, we are nothing but aliens in America. And they are never going to see us as anything different than that. People have to understand that we are politi- politically economically and socially competition to them, and people have to understand that we don't have any friends we don't we we don't have any allies, and we need to redefine what an ally is i was i you know I was going over some material and i i i um was trying to figure out because the city of New York in two thousand and twenty one decided they were going to allow what they call municipal voters. West municipal voters; those are people who could vote for all of the major offices in the city of New York, but they were not they were not American citizens. the city The city council did that at the at the stroke of midnight when they were all leaving office; they were being timed out of office, and then it went to it went to um, court. The Republicans challenged it in court. Now, why is that important? Well, let's think about this for a second. How many in, in the city of New York? You know, there's you know there's the, the, the so the population breakdown is majority white, then it's Hispanic, then it's black, and it's Asians. Asians ain't that far behind black people in, in numbers and stuff. So now you're going to have 800,000 to a million new people that add into the voting rolls to vote. Not a citizen. Ain't paid a dime in taxes, ain't doing anything and stuff. And even they did. They're still not a citizen. And you got black people on, this, on the city council that allowed that nonsense to go through. The, the Blasio didn't didn't veto it, and neither did Eric Adams. And not understanding the politics of think about that eight hundred to a million new voters on the rolls, and we don't even know where any of those people stand. Coming from countries that, that they have no relationship to America, and definitely don't think anything positive about people of uh, black people. Now, <laughs> if the Republicans didn't go to, to go to court to strike this thing down, we will be beat, we will be at. Guess what? Those people, those thirty thousand new people that came into New York, will be able to vote right now. Think about this now. All those people from Venezuela that just came into New York, all of them will be able to vote.
1: Right? Uh, How so, ridiculous so is that? So they're eligible to vote.
4: No, they, they struck the law down. Okay. The Supreme Court struck it down. They they would have been. Okay. <laughs> but, but the black politicians that was in office let that crap go through, and let they tried to grandfather. They snuck it in the last day of the year. They snuck it in. Well, I, listen. And this is what we're talking about. We don't have people that have intelligence to see how we're disenfranchising ourselves well, by we, allowing all of these people to be able to vote.
1: Well, we know, we're we
4: diluting your own political power in your own city.
1: We we know one that didn't let it go through. <laughs> Right.
0: You,
4: you still, know, I, still see, and, I, said, and, I said, I said, I said, we know was, wh- what I you s- say? You were breaking up. You were breaking up.
1: Oh, I said, we know one that didn't let it go through.
4: <laughs> yeah. Charles
1: Byron. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Well, I, Charles <coughs> Barron yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, is the only one that, that, uh, you know, that they haven't pulled the wool over his eyes, you know? And, and the, the thing that frustrates me is that, you know, we, they just had another reparations meeting out in California on the the 28th of January. That meeting was in San Diego with seven hours. I haven't had a chance to to watch the whole thing, but you know, people were coming and giving their point of view and they're continually moving forward. New York is supposed to be progressive state. We, the the city of New York has done nothing. The state of New York is uh, the the reparations bill was passed in, in the, in the house part of the, the legislature, but the Senate is sitting there. When you got the governor, you got, you got a a the black a black woman in charge of the Senate. You got Carl Hastys who I went to school with and mentored, who is um um the the over the over the over the um speaker, the speaker of of the House in, in the Senate, and it hasn't moved anywhere. We got a black male. We got a black uh, speaker of the of the City Council. No reparations anywhere to be found. Not even a language of it. It's almost as if people are. Uh, uh, apologizing for being black to say that they want to do something for black people. It's almost as if we have Obama in office right now. We got a whole bunch of many Obamas running around here that are ashamed of being black and don't want to stand up for black people. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I, people would talk about that situation out there in Los Angeles with those with those uh, Hispanic people. Uh, they're being caught on tape or whatever. Guess what? I'm not, I'm not even mad at them for doing that because they at least they had enough sense to say we're going to stand up for our people. Maybe it wasn't right what they were doing, but they said to themselves, well, we ain't going to let our people be disenfranchised. We're going to hold on to power within Los Angeles. We're going to disenfranchise other people. We're going to gerrymander stuff to keep black people and these other Hispanic people out from, from taking po- political positions from us. We don't even have enough sense to understand the the basic principles of what's going on in this country. I tell people all the time, we need a reclamation. People don't even know what I mean when I say a reclamation. Reclamation is is a simple word. Reclamation means to reclaim. We have to reclaim ourselves. We have to reclaim our history. We have to reclaim our economics. We have to reclaim everything about being black in this country. And the one thing we have to do is get back to what, 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 um, someone said, he made a song. Uh, uh, um, I'm I, just, I can't get the the person's name out of my mouth. Um, Richard, you'll know it. Is young back, young black and gifted. What's her name again? Oh, young,
2: uh, young gifted.
4: Oh, and Black. Nina, um, Simone. Nina Simone. What's not name Simone? What's Hey, there you go, Nina Simone. Mm-hmm. You know, young, young gifted and black. Get back to that philosophy. You know, and I and and it frustrates me to no end because I see things going on and people are not. Paying attention, I, I, you know this whole conversation about the idea of what it means for black resistance. You know, um, waking up every day is a form of black resistance. But there's a, but, but see, people think they redefine what it means to be woke, because there's people that are walking around here with their eyes open and still asleep. What is woke? You know, you know there's people that that, that have no. And this is this is this is this young man asked me a question, and and, and I'm and I'm going to put this out there to you brothers. He said he said to me, younger brother said to me, he said, brother Maurice, what's going to happen when your generation is gone? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't because I don't know. I don't know what y'all believe in. You you you've exchanged uh, you exchange everything uh about being black into some other form of uh philosophy we've utilized blackness to push for everybody else's agenda except for the for black people and i so I don't know what's going to happen when you with your generation when when we're gone you know, and then you know we got into a debate about it and i I said something that made people got mad at me about that said you know something To be honest with you, you know, this is not y'all. This is not Time for and saying it. This is me saying this. I said, you know, sometimes I wonder if this is not the weakest generation of black people I've ever seen in my life. I wonder about y'all. I'm not ashamed to be black. Like Frederick Douglass said, I'll go and I'll fight where they are. I go to die with my brothers and sisters. I'll go wherever they're in the field, in the farmhouse wherever they are, I'm going to go and fight with them. We've been fighting. You've been fighting on this show. I've been fighting on this show. I haven't compromised. I haven't given up. I still have hope for black people because I know what's in black people. I know the greatness of black people, and I don't think our greatness is behind us. Our best days are before us. We have to start believing in ourselves. And I'm frustrated with these people because they keep talking. This one dude had the nerve to say to me, the problem with you, Brother Maurice, is you still operated in your, in your, um, um, your pain and stuff. I says, Brother, if I was living in what they've done to me in this country, I would have never been able to move forward. There wouldn't be anybody like you that existed. If black people kept operating in that particular pain, we would have died a long time ago. I don't know what you young people are talking about, and I and, and I'm frustrated with this. The, the, you know, so they asked me years ago to join the NAACP, and I said absolutely not because I didn't want to be compromised. I didn't want my name attached to anything that's compromised. And these black people want to sit up there and they think it's all right. They have been compromised. You, it's it's you know I I I've never seen a group that's ashamed to stand up for itself. Not everybody now. Not everybody. There's a lot of brothers that are out here doing stuff. The, the, the brother Mississippi on the move. That that that, that brother down there. The, uh, uh, the the minister out there in, 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 uh um with the water issue. I mean, uh, I can't get oh, people's names right now. Reverend, Reverend Pickney. Yeah, yeah, Reverend Pickney. I mean, I'm looking at that. that even that brother that's out there and that's out there in in Colorado that's fighting. He needs to know that you know, and this is the problem, right? The re- the reason why a lot of people um, uh, struggle with stuff because they don't know who's real versus who's fake. Got a lot of these fake people running around here, yeah, and saying they love black people. Well, do something for black people. Again, I'm gonna say this and get off because I, uh, I want I want I know that there's other people just waiting, but but again, brothers, thank you for the conversation tonight. I'm glad to see in, in, the, in, the, in, in Black History Month, um, you know, um, somebody was arguing with me about this issue about, you know, Morgan Freeman was like, I don't know why people call it Black History Month because black people have history all, you know, throughout the year. You're right about that. And guess what? It, if you know why they say that, because they have to have a group of people to say, let's teach something in this month because you ain't teaching your own damn kids already. <laughs> if you were teaching your own damn kids, we wouldn't even have to have a month. You you be teaching them every damn day about the greatness of black people and stuff. I am not ashamed of being black. I love being black. I don't have to worry about going and get a tan and then come up to me. Look at me. I'm just as dark as you. <laughs> yes. They just found another, they just found another sarcophagus in Egypt. They said it's 4,000 years old, uh, older than two Tut- tooth common and stuff. You know, the greatness of black people is we are on the board. It's like we, we, we went around it. Like we are trying to score, Baby, we we don't don't already ran up the score. We we are on the board. We count. You just need to believe it and know that we have a potential that cannot be stopped. Black people are great, and they never been less than that. Okay, I'm going, my brothers. Peace.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for your contribution, sir. Richard. Before we go, let me go back. I think you got a clearer line now. Let me go back to two one five.
9: Two one five. Yeah, brother Elliot. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, I'm, well, like I said, I got. Hopefully, I got a better connection with my home phone, my cell phone. Obviously, wasn't, wasn't getting it done and stuff. But yeah, brother, do you want to ask? You you want to ask me something, brother Elliot. Yeah, by the yeah. way, to br- brother Maurice who just called, brother Maurice, I love you, brother. You were spot on everything, brother Maurice said just now. He was spot on, spot on. But yeah, Elliot, you want to ask me a question?
1: Yeah, you mentioned about uh, um, the the. Um, because I want to tie it in with something that just happened about two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. You mentioned about uh, one of these sports leagues and something that happened. Did you say, what would you say?
9: About your National Hockey League, yeah. Yeah. What happened was that they, the, 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 the commissioner of the National Hockey League and his people, they they was going to start a diversity program to get more black people, young black people involved in hockey, You know, because pretty much it's a predominantly white sport. You know, blacks do play hockey. Instead of, because the Flyers, the local hockey team, had a few black players. And, matter of fact, one of the greatest black goalies was Grant Furrow, who played with the uh, Edmonton Oilers and stuff. He won, like, two or three Stanley Cups with, with Wayne Gretzky. Well, anyway, when, when, it, when this was... Put out that they was gonna do this. That old racist bigot down in Florida, Ron DeSantis, he sent them a threatening letter said, if "You dare do that? I'm going. We're gonna, we gonna start a boycott because you, know, you got, I think Florida got a couple of teams and and I think that they got the Florida Panthers, or whatever like that. It was Tampa Bay Band. They got two teams in Florida. He threatened to go to go boycott them and all that kind of crazy. And so he backed off and stuff. Or their diversity plan to try to recruit you know more young black people to get to hockey. So I'm saying to myself, that old filthy stinking bigot. That's why like, my point was that why he may be correct and I don't even, he not even doing it because he loves black people, he may be correct about that black history curriculum with the queer thing, but I said that still don't mean I'm supporting him. He an old filthy bigot. He ain't no he no different than Trump. He just a he just the. uh a cheap imitation of Donald Trump, but maybe more dangerous because he don't he come across as more, maybe more articulate than Trump. But he ain't but a little filthy bigot, too. So I, I don't I don't care not about that devil. either. He just like the rest of them. He ain't no good. You know, but, but but my whole thing is, like I say, black folks, whether he deal with the curriculum or hockey or any other thing that he trying to. You know, stop black people. He ain't up but a white man. He, he, like, he ain't no different than his other white brother. He's getting his pants one leg at a time. Black people ain't, ain't, shouldn't have to fear him. Cause like I said, we always get getting to this point as a people, Ellen Richard. We fear these so-called bad white men, whether it be Trump, whether it be DeSantis, you know, back in the day, you know, the boogeyman was Reagan and Bush, and, I mean, and them devils don't scare nobody, man. You know, we, 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 we come from a great people. Like Brother Maurice said, we're a great people. We ain't got to fear these people, man. You people don't, don't, don't strike no fear in me. You know what I mean? Cause they, cause like I said, they, they, they ain't no God. They, they, they just, they just white men. Uh, we, we, we know, There's they, they, a long list of racist white men that have stayed in the way of black people's progress. Back when Reagan and Bush was in the office, they flooded the black communities with the crack code, Kane, the free, freeway Ricky Ross and the Iran country thing, all them devils they've been, they've been doing their dirt from day one, they going to continue to do their dirt until we continue to stand up as a people as strong black men and women and fight this stuff and put it into all this foolishness that they come up with because we know they ain't going to never change because it's against their very nature to be decent people because it's just not in them. If it ain't in them you ain't going to put it in them and that's the bottom line of why we keep on with this foolishness that, they, that these people are going to change all of a sudden these people are who they are you know that's why the honorable like Muhammad said they are. That's their nature. It's against their against their very nature to do right, and that's the bottom line. You know they 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 say a lot of stuff. They talk the, they talk a the good game, but when it comes to putting in the practice, that's that, that's where the rubber meets the road, at brother. You know what I mean? That's where the rubber meets the road. Let me know? say
1: let me say something before I let you go in reference to sure, what you said about uh, because it's it's always just standard and. Blacks that have a mic in front of their face, especially because the, the 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 black man on the street, if he says something, you really don't hear it. I mean, when mm-hmm. you know, his friends might hear it or his family, but it's not heard because he didn't have a uh, a megaphone or a mic in front of his face. Because you have blacks that have access to the media or in media themselves that have a mic. Now, black folks that says anything about uh a religious organization, whether it's Jews or whoever, Mm -hmm. or or a a lifestyle group like gay or lesbian, if they say anything about them, they're suspended, uh, they're made to apologize, Mm -hmm. and then they lose money because they'll get a fine on top of the suspension.
9: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, two weeks ago, because you mentioned hockey, you mm-hmm. had a, and the, the hockey is overwhelmingly predominantly white. You had mm-hmm. a you had a festival here in Philadelphia, some type of gay pride or gay festival or something. And the players were supposed to be involved and come down and sign autographs and talk to people and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You had a white player that said, "I'm not going." So the media asked him in the locker room, "Why did you appear at the pride function?" He said, "Well, I don't believe in that."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, he wasn't fined by the NFL, NHL. He wasn't okay. suspended by the team. He'd been playing in every game, since, and that was about two weeks ago.
9: That's correct. I and didn't am, know, am, know what am, you're
1: talking about. And the media mm-hmm. didn't trash him. They sure did Including black hosts that's up here on these sports talk stations. They didn't say nothing about it. They sure did But it would have been if it was Joel Embiid or James Harden or somebody that said mm-hmm. something like that, they would have been suspended fined by the NBA, and made to apologize.
9: No question about it. This
1: guy wasn't suspended, he wasn't fined, and he definitely wasn't made to apologize.
9: Well, 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 brother, I'm glad you brought that up because I used two examples right quick about that. Like I said, back on the baseball season, when, when when the white boy that played for the Phillies, JT Rabuto, when he told them he wasn't getting the, the vaccine and everything and they were saying, well, you know, you should get the vaccine, he told them, he told the white reporters, I'll never forget it. He said, look, don't ask me no more about that. Like, this is my body. I'm not getting the vaccine. And that's enough. I want to talk about you. He said, It's the next question. He now you're not going to talk to me on baseball. Then don't, don't come in with, with that. I don't want to talk about it. And they left him and they respected me and left him. Alone. But they don't do that with brothers. Brothers say something; they come up with the same dumbass questions over and over again. Try to ask it to you like in a different way. But when a white boy snap at them, that's the end of the story. And, and Ellie, in the show, how they like you said, how they do our people. Look how they did our sister, the Muslim sister, Ila Omar. The Republicans kicked off the committee because she's been critical of Israel, right? But yet, about a week, a month, just about a month or so ago, maybe a little longer in there, but somewhere in that time frame. That old, old, old white woman from Georgia, the college woman, Margie Taylor Green, she questioned the authenticity of the Holocaust. She said, did it really exist? Did it really happen? And again, I didn't hear the, the, the ADL come after her. I didn't hear the white Republicans jumping her about that, but you're still dogging Whoopi Goldberg because she says that the that the Holocaust was man and humanity towards man. She said, what about race? Which she's correct about because these were white people killing white people, and they still dogging her about that now. When she made the comment this recently, they still came after her again, but yet Marvie Teller Green, it's not, it's not the first time that Marvie Teller Green has been critical of Jews. She said rich white Jews was from the deep state was taking was trying to take Donald Trump down again no ADL's comments so you, your point is definitely well taken brother Elliot they only come after black people because first of all they don't respect us they look at black people as powerless so they see when they time them in say anything that we don't like we're gonna make them grovel we're gonna make them beg we're gonna humiliate them we're gonna we're gonna we gonna dehumanize them we're gonna we're gonna emasculate their manhood their womanhood in front of the whole world and this is what they do and, and I and I and I and I say this in closing Elliot. i blame a lot of that on it on that old guard from the civil rights movement see they're the ones that got our people thinking that these white jews as our friends and nothing could be further from the truth they're the ones that got them fixed so, so so that's why that's why if you ever noticed Elliot, throughout our times people like john Lewis, god rest his soul but I, I can't i can't i can't sit there and not tell the truth because the brothers deceived the truth of the truth the whole time he was living and stuff Now here's man He marched with Dr. King He's seen our people Getting beat down He got beat down himself On the, on that the Edmund Pettus Bridge But not one time Have you ever heard John Lewis say anything About the Palestinians When our Palestinian brothers And sisters Be being, being Dehumanized Beat down Shot And see What a lot of black people Don't realize LA, You have a lot of black Palestinians You see Every now and then The media show, show them to you they, they slip up and show them to you And stuff like that See they don't talk about The racial aspects see, Most of the time They show you The, the brown skin Lighter skin and Palestinians which, which they mistreated them as well but you got some black Palestinians that look just like you and me and Richard if you didn't put Palestinian they' look like any sister brother from the hood the same with the Libyans you had, when brother Gaddafi was living here a, a, a black female uh, color, uh, honor guard that was, that was that would walk with brother Gaddafi and these sisters like if you didn't say they was Libyan they're like any sisters you see in the hood and stuff like that you know what I mean but see again the the the, the, the 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 um the, the, the Negroes don't say anything. Like I say, when when, 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 when John Lewis was, like I say, was living, he didn't say one word about the human treatment our Palestinian brother and sister go through. He didn't say a damn thing about other atrocities that happened with the Europeans was doing and stuff. But, yeah, he called himself a human rights person. Same thing with, with Jesse Jackson. Now, Jesse Dick, years ago, he met with Arafat, that was as close as Jesse came, but once that Hymie Town came out, when, when he made the comment, Hymie Town, that pretty much muzzled J- Jesse for the rest of his life and stuff. And you know, Sharpton don't say a damn thing about it unless it's brought up to him. And what do, he, and what do Sharpton do? He said he do the same thing all them negros. They, they, they get paid to do. I'm for a two-state solution. That's all them niggas. That, that'd, that'd be Gregory Mick's comments. That'd be King Jeff. All them phony negros. I, they, 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 they know what they better say because them white Jews will be on their ass so all they can say is it's, I'm a, for a two-state solution, which is about as bogus as a $3 bill, not Yahoo and his cronies already said, that's a no-go. You know what I mean? So who, who, what you talking about, man? You know, it's a, it's, it's a shame. I say this in closing, L.A., Richard. It's a damn shame. I mean, I hope people realize the significance of it, that a group of White Jews, who not even God's chosen, people that is Europeans that call themselves uh, Hebrews or whatever, they got, a, they, they got black leadership under their thumb. They make these Negroes bow down to them. And whether we want to accept it or not, or, 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 or realize it, until we... Exposed that is going to continue to go on. These negroes—they uh, are not their own people. They can't do a damn thing unless they get their permission from these white Jews. I don't even think they can go to bathrooms unless these white Jews give them permission. Man, they got these negroes under their total control, and that's real. I know it's a painful thing for our people to hear, but that's real. Gregory Mix, King Jeffries, Dwight Evans—the list, Cobo, the list goes on and on. Them negroes are under control of these white Zionist Jews. Make no mistake about it, brother. If you don't think it's the truth, you're only deluding yourself. But thanks, Kelly. I put me on mute, and I listen to the rest, the rest of the show.
1: Well, you know, before you—let uh, me say this, yes. and I'll let you go. Sure. Because you mentioned so sure, about Alex. the the the, uh, uh, the woman being thrown off that committee of foreign relations. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, that was with bipartisan support.
9: That's correct. It now, sure was.
1: Now, the head, the chair of that committee is Meeks, mm-hmm. Gregory Meeks, from New York. Uh, the the, mm-hmm. uh, the Democratic speaker— is Jeffries.
9: That's right Now, mm-hmm.
1: Meeks didn't say anything. I didn't read any report where he said anything. Of Jeff- course not. Jeffries said, well, she apologized for her remarks. That should be enough. You know, like mm-hmm. a tacit. He gave some type of tacit thing about some apology.
2: Of course, of course. They always with of some
1: course. apology. You know, c- come on, man, with all this
9: crap. I don't want to hear that. But but, but, but but I want to ask you, Brother Elliot and brother, where was the apology from, from that George Rabbi who's the close associate of Yahoo that called out people monkeys? When is that apology? Not that I want anything from that. Let me make it very clear, Elliot. Like, I don't give a damn if that bigot ever sent because I don't care he can go to hell. But you're using, I'm just saying it just for the sake of, you know, since they talk about apologies, when is that devil gonna apologize for what he said about calling out people monkeys? When well, is he gonna apologize? He, you know, he
1: has come he has come back into power and prominence, being that they got a uh, so called right wing Government over there, that, mm-hmm. same, that same rabbi that called black people that's monkeys, right. is in is in a, a position of power over there.
9: Exactly. So maybe they'll be exactly. dealing with him
1: calling him a friend. You heard Jeffrey say like, that he, yeah, he got I mean, a I'm lot of time. Yeah, I'm sure he be calling
9: him a friend soon. I'm sure that's right. I mean, in again, that's what I'm saying. the, the L. I say this all the time. Thank God it's for shows like yours and Brother Richard Thompson and Brother Maurice up in New York, and, and, and Brother Carl Nelson, because, man, if our people, if it wasn't for shows like y'all, our people wouldn't get no kind of information, because these Negroes, man, on these so-called the Roland Martins, the sharpness of the world, they keep our people dumbed down. That Like I said, average brother and sister in New York don't even know that Jeffries is, is in bed with these Zionists. Like, that. they don't even know, man. They look at that Negro some kind of hope, 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 they say, hope springs eternal, right? They look at this Negro as some kind of, you know, vanguard in the black community because because he, he's charismatic and he, and he, and they already, you know, portraying him or, or propping him to be like the next Barack Obama. Not that that was any good thing for our people, but you get my point. So he's already been prepped already to be the next Obama type leader and stuff. You know what I mean? And our and our people just don't know about these people. Man, they think these people are actually fighting for the interests of our people. These these people now had a mindset like Charles Barron. They don't think like Charles. Baron, they don't think like here locally in Philadelphia. Dave Richardson, who was for, who was unapologetically black, like like Maurice said, I'm a proud to be black. But well, these brothers like Baron and, and Dave, the late Dave, they they was brothers that was proud to be black. Like Dave always say, he said I was a I'm a black man first. I became a state rep second. That's that's down on my list. I'm a black man, and he and he acted the corner. He's like the black man. He was. I mean, the, the man, look, man I can go on about how this brother went when, when he he went in with the Tom Riggs face, the old racist former Republican governor Pistorius. Him. He said, "Well, I'm down with Momir. I don't want to see free Momir. told that bigot right to his face. He didn't give a damn whether Tom Riggs liked it or not. He know Tom Riggs was, was, wanted to kill Momir, but he let that devil know I'm down with Momir. I want his free Momir. When Minister Farrakhan came to Philadelphia, he didn't do like Dwight Evans and the rest of them punk niggas did, ducked and hide and stayed away from the minister. That, whenever Minister came here, Farrakhan came here, Davidson was right in front row whether they spoke at the Civic Center or a Church, anywhere. And I know that because I was there at those lectures. Davidson was standing there front and center right right, right say, in front of the minister on the rostrum, stand wasn't afraid to be seen with his brother man because he was a man he wasn't no punk he was a man you know like, like these spirals negroes are they're a disgrace man they got no manhood they be, let these white Jews just punk them out tell them what they can and can't do man they, Oh, they're a disgrace man but anyway Ellie, I said enough man just put me on the and I'll listen to the rest of the man of the show
1: talk to you All
9: right, thanks Ellie.
1: Bridget come to end of another program, man. Yes. 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 Uh, you know, um, and, and, uh, I think I'm gonna get an, uh, another commercial, uh, done by, uh, uh, brother Bondeley. Um, the, um, BB to me is having a, uh, if I can pull it up, Yeah, the conference. Yeah. Black Please. power conference. Um, this one is is a lot different, Richard, because they want uh, people there with blueprints that are doing the work. Mm-hmm. It's not a um, a conference with it. You know, they talk about some of the things our ancestors did back then, but you know, some of the things that our people are familiar with. And if mm-hmm. they're not, they need to get familiar with them. But this is not that type of conference. It's a working conference, so to speak. dog uh, I got an early flyer in front of me. It says the first annual B.B. Toomey conference on black power hereby convenes for the purpose of mapping strategies, tactics, techniques, and formations that lead to the effective and successful implementation of the once and for all solution to the biggest problem on earth. As such, we invite presenters able to provide insight thought and practice in the following areas. Included, but not limited to educational power, military power, institutional power, economic power, agricultural power, technological power, family communication, and nation power. Uh And it's, uh, the conference is going to be July 7th to 9th. Um, uh, they got early bird registration starting in, uh, Well, it's two stages. Um, One is February 11th with the uh, uh, early bird registration with the papers submitted to the things that you're doing. Not something that you hope to do or something that you think somebody else should be doing. It's stuff that that, that, the people or organizations is doing. And then there's another early bird registration in April 30th. I'll get more information. Uh, Maybe Vondelay will make up a a commercial and and I'll play it. Uh, but um, it's going to be virtual and uh, on site because uh, you, you, have you seen a picture of the headquarters, Richard? Not, the, um, not, I didn't say a picture of the headquarters. i seen a picture of the flyer. Oh, I'm, I'm going to send it to you. Um, stuff they've been working on there. Uh, it's, it's, uh, Well, outside really, it's not, I mean, I haven't been on the inside, but the, you can see the construction going on. It's, it, it, it's uh, huh. okay. It's, uh, it's right on time, but, uh, I'll, you'll hear more about this in future, uh, programs. We will be talking about it. Great. Uh, before we leave tonight, uh, just, uh, give the lineup on time for an awakening media. Um, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, African perspectives with brother. Oshie. always interesting topics and Dialogue on African Perspectives. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. in the afternoon uh, on Tuesday. And I was just talking to uh, Sister Lotus and Brother Alfonso Watkins today. The Black Reality Think Tank will be back on March the 7th. Not March, hold it. Yeah, March. That first Tuesday in March, which is the 7th, is the target date. For the return of Black Reality Think Tank with hosts Sister uh, Lotus and Brother Alfonso Watkins, so look forward. At the same time on Tuesday, eight to ten p.m. The Black Reality Think Tank on uh, Thursday, Pat, uh, Brother Patrick. They'll be starting up their program again. Mississippi on the Move, the Black Reversion Movement in Mississippi. That's on Thursdays from seven to eight. On Fridays, time for awakening is back from eight until. And on Saturdays from 7 to 9, the Elders of Sankofa with Dr. Janine James as host. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always. We're back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace.
0: If you're driving through. your children playing after school children, to save the children.